the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Biden's classified document scandal deepens as the White House rebuffs Republican requests for visitors' logs. And I think this becomes a larger and larger scandal each day. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin responds to the Fairfax School equity scandal. It's about this emphasis on equity over merit. The World Bank cuts global growth projections for 2023. You're looking at a pretty tough year for households pretty much everywhere. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Tuesday, January 17th. I'm Mike Scott. House Republicans are requesting that the White House turn over all information related to misplaced classified documents from Joe Biden's time as vice president in the Obama administration, including visitors' logs to Biden's private home in order to ascertain who may have had access to the documents in question. However, the White House counsel says there are no visitors' logs to turn over. In other words, there is no record to determine who had access to the classified documents discovered in the president's possession. Reporter Alice Barr says that while Biden's frustrations are growing, a search continues for more sensitive documents in his possession. Frustrations are growing inside the White House with sources telling NBC News President Biden is annoyed with what he considers probable sloppiness by aides who packed up his vice presidential office, noting he does not believe the response to this crisis has been handled well. House Republicans are stepping up the pressure on President Biden after news over the weekend that five more pages of classified documents were uncovered at his Delaware home. For a fourth straight day, the president ignoring reporters' questions. Are you sure there are no more classified documents? about what's now the third discovery at that Wilmington residence since late December, as the president's personal lawyers have continued to search for any sensitive material left over from Mr. Biden's time as vice president. Barr goes on to say that many congressional Republicans are questioning why it took so long for the White House to inform Americans on the discovery of the first batch of classified documents. Republicans comparing it to the FBI search of former President Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate, though that came after he resisted multiple requests to hand over documents, prompting an obstruction of justice investigation. House GOP leaders now want visitor logs from Mr. Biden's home, which the Secret Service says don't exist because it's a private residence. The first batch of documents, less than a dozen, were uncovered at President Biden's former private office in Washington just before the midterm elections. Senate Republicans questioning how long it took to notify the American people. Barr goes on to say that the White House is accusing Republicans 
of playing politics. Democrats emphasizing the Biden team turned the documents over to authorities right away. The president and his administration are cooperating, and, and I trust that they will continue to cooperate. President Biden's personal attorney argues they can't release certain details relevant to the investigation while it is ongoing. In a new statement today, the White House insisting President Biden takes classified information seriously while accusing House Republicans of playing politics with their investigations. Separate special counsels are now reviewing both the president and the former president's handling of classified documents. This comes on the heels of the announcement over the weekend of a third batch of classified documents being found at the Biden's Wilmington home. The first batch was found at an office space in Washington, D.C. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, a Kentucky Republican, sent a letter to the White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain and asked for more documents and communications all related to searches of Biden's homes and other locations by the president's aides for classified documents. Meanwhile, the White House claims that the Republican investigation into Biden's possession of classified documents is hypocritical, saying in part, House Republicans have no credibility, their demands should be met with skepticism, and they should face questions themselves about why they are politicizing the issue and admitting they actually do not care about the underlying classified material. John Solomon is the editor-in-chief at the Washington Times and says that, in his opinion, the difference in how Biden and Donald Trump have been treated regarding classified documents show that there are two tiers of justice. I think there are some uh, similarities now. The reason the FBI said it raided the Trump Mar-a-Lago compound was that there had been multiple discoveries and it had been slow to become. And uh, now there are multiple discoveries against President Biden, uh, uh, four discoveries in two months. And so I think that's Republicans see this. You see what James Comer said on television yesterday, further proof of a dual system of justice. Joe Biden gets treated with kid gloves and lawyers get to go looking for his documents. Donald Trump, his lawyers did get to go look for his documents originally, but at some point the FBI said, well, we're just coming in and raiding. So it is feeding that narrative. Uh, I think at the same time, one of the most important dynamics here is watching what Democrats are doing. Yesterday, you saw Adam Schiff, uh, a Democrat, abandon Biden and say, hey, there could be some national security damage here. We need an assessment. And Debbie Stabenow, retiring Democratic senator from Michigan, called uh, Joe Biden embarrassing for allowing this to happen after all the grandstanding he did on Donald Trump's classified documents. Solomon explains why he believes that the scandal surrounding the White House over the classified documents is only going to get bigger. I don't think the Democrats are going to try to force him out before the end of his term, unless we learn something far more serious, right? I think there are more difficult days ahead for Joe Biden, because not only do you have these documents, you ha- this documents is a, sp- a unique window into the uh, China relationship that the family has had. Remember, these documents are at a university-funded center. The university is one of the largest recipients of Chinese money, and that university then goes and pressures the Biden administration and gets a favorable ruling for China, t- ending the FBI's counter-espionage program 
against Chinese spies in academia. So there is a long window that this actually leads back to Hunter Biden. It leads back to the money's, the family's uh, extraordinary pursuit of uh, money overseas. And I think this becomes a larger and larger scandal each day. But it's going to be a slow scandal. It's going to be a slow set of revelations. A lot on the classified document side is going to get hushed up now that there's a special prosecutor. But on the flip side of it, Congress is going to begin illuminating a lot of the issues here and expect China money and the the Biden family's relationship with China to become an increasing part of this storyline. Attorney General Merrick Garland has appointed Robert Hur as the special counsel to investigate the situation surrounding Biden's possession of classified documents. Seven Fairfax County schools in Virginia have come under fire recently for withholding from their students whether they received national merit recognition for their scores on PSATs. The awards can help students compete for scholarships, honors accolades, and college admissions. Republican Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin responded to the scandal on Twitter, calling it maniacal. State officials in Virginia expanding their investigation into at least 10 Northern Virginia public high schools that allegedly failed to notify their students of their national merit-commended scholar status in a timely manner. Our preliminary reports is over a 1,000 students uh, were not notified. Uh, of the situation. Virginia's attorney general's office claiming school officials allegedly withheld telling students they were commended scholars to avoid upsetting others who were not. We're trying to understand whether they were treating students, um, denying them certain either recognition or admission uh, based on their ethnic background. The commended student status, an extremely competitive honor, goes to at least 3% of PSAT test takers nationally. One of the schools at the center of the controversy, the elite Thomas Jefferson High School for Science of Technology, where there are more than 65% Asians and about 20% whites. Blacks and Latinos make up less than 10% of the population, according to the Fairfax County Public School System. The school eventually notified students of their status, but not in time for the start of the college application season, creating what students and parents say was a missed opportunity. Stop the sabotage! Some outraged parents demanding accountability at a recent school board meeting. For their part, the schools have explained that their decision to keep the results from their students was due to a desire for equity. According to sources, schools say it's part of a strategy to provide equal outcomes for every student. Students who were recognized by the National Merit Scholarship Organization were kept in the dark as to not hurt the feelings of other students. However, parents are furious, and the Republican governor has suggested that there could potentially be criminal charges against staff involved. Yonkin has previously criticized Fairfax County Schools for using taxpayer money to hire equity consultants. Yonkin released a statement saying, in part, they have a maniacal focus on equal outcomes for all students at all costs. And at the heart of the American dream is excelling, is advancing, is stretching, and recognizing that we have students that have different capabilities. Yet, this is not the first time that Fairfax County schools have come under fire for what was touted as a progressive initiative. 
Back in 2021, the Fairfax County School Board landed themselves in federal court after it changed admission requirements to limit the number of Asian American students enrolled in order to boost admission of other students, regardless of academic ability. The guidance sparked controversy and was ultimately found to be in violation of federal law. Josh Krauschauer, senior political correspondent at Axios, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that Virginia schools seem to be downgrading their own excellence. Fairfax County has always been something of a, at least until the last five years, has been a swing area. Uh, now it's Democratic, but it, but it's a moderate Democratic area. And the school system was always based on having the best schools in the country. Excellence was the motto in Fairfax. And in 2019, the school board slate that won, the Democratic-endorsed school board slate, ran instead on equity. That was the motto. You saw it on signs across the area. And what we're seeing, and this is one example of, of, of what's going on, is you're seeing evidence that in school systems across the country, or sorry, in, schools, in, in the schools in Fairfax, including the, the number one school in the country, the Thomas Jefferson School of Science and Technology, they've been taking measures to essentially downgrade their 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 excellence. They're they're uh, you know not highlighting the highest uh, highest achievers in the school system. Krauschauer tells us that many Fairfax County schools are focusing on equity over merit of their students. Uh, we saw this during COVID. Uh, there were a lot of instances where uh, the, the, you know Jefferson is under fire because they changed its admissions policy. They got rid of the high te- the high standards in its test uh, that would allow the top students to get into the school in favor of some kind of racial balancing. So there, this is a big issue. It goes beyond just the, the merit scholars that, that didn't get notified uh, in, in the school system, but it's about this emphasis on equity over merit. Krauschauer explains how a backlash against this type of progressive idealism catapulted Yunkin to the Virginia governorship. Education was one of the big factors that got Governor Yunkin into into the governor's uh, mansion. Uh, it, it was a whole slew of educational issues: the school closures during COVID, uh, the the, the rad- you know some kind of elements of radical curriculum seeping into the schools. But equity was a big factor too. The fact that Thomas Jefferson, the number one school in the country, a magnet school, got rid of its high stakes admissions test in favor of quotas, racial quotas, essentially. To, to balance the, the, the diversity and the, or the ba- balance the ethnic population in the school. Very unpopular, created a, a groundswell of opposition. And I think what we're seeing here, Hugh, is another example, another possible bullet point in this equity agenda. The Axios senior political correspondent says that these ideas seem to be spreading in many school systems across the country. I, I see this in, 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 in fits and starts. I don't think it's, it's endemic, but I think you're right to note that once you, once something has, is kind of in the bloodstream, so to speak, it can spread very – we saw this during you know the, the pandemic and a lot of very unusual ideas kind of creeped into the school system. That was one of the issues, again, that Governor Duncan talked about during the, the, the 2021 campaign. And it, and, it, and it had an audience not just of conservatives but of independents, of moderates. There's school board elections, by the way, Hugh – uh, throughout Virginia, in Fairfax County, Loudoun County, uh, that's going to be a really interesting data point into how much of a backlash there is to this equity movement. Last February, 
A federal judge ruled Fairfax County school officials guilty of racial discrimination. However, plans to overturn the woke rules have been put on hold thanks to a successful legal challenge by some supporters, with a court set to consider that appeal this year. Speaker Kevin McCarthy weighs in on a possible defense budget cut in Congress. More on this from our Daybreak Insider congressional correspondent, Bernie Bennett. During an appearance on Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures, host Maria Bartiromo asked McCarthy if he was willing to cut defense spending as part of a reported deal within the GOP caucus to freeze spending at 2022 levels. McCarthy disputed estimates that such a deal would result in a $75 billion cut to defense spending, while also signaling his support for targeting cuts. McCarthy also noted that, quote, every level of government should be looking at ways to spend less taxpayer money. The deal McCarthy struck would effectively cut $75 billion from the $857 billion defense budget in fiscal Fiscal year 2023. Bernie Bennett, Washington. According to a new survey, three quarters of CEOs expect global economic growth to slow over the next year. This comes on the heels of a stark report from the World Bank, which warns that a global recession is highly probable for 2023. In its report, the World Bank says global growth has slowed to the extent that the global economy is perilously close to falling into recession. The World Bank credits unexpected, rapid monetary tightening around the world for the sluggish growth. It also adds that any additional adverse shocks could lead to a global recession. The World Bank isn't the only financial organization sounding the alarm. Recently, the International Monetary Fund released a similarly dire prognosis for the world economy. If a global recession comes about, it would mark the first time since the 1930s that two global downturns occurred in the same decade. Paul Hannon of the Wall Street Journal says that a large driving factor for the grim outlook on the global economy is steadily rising food and energy prices. This kind of slowdown is extremely rare. Usually uh, poorer developing countries are growing quite rapidly. So the global economy rarely gets anywhere near the point where you're talking about a recession. And as you say, for the World Bank, that means when, you know, output per head is falling. Um, the context for this is that food and energy prices are still rising pretty rapidly all around the world. They're not rising as rapidly as they were sort of last year, but it's still going to be a bad year for households. Yeah. Uh, you've also got rising interest rates, so borrowing costs are increasing. And as, you know, some of the news items you just ran through there indicate, the jobs market is also likely to weaken. So you put all of those things together and you're looking at a pretty tough year for households pretty much everywhere. Hannon explains why the World Bank and the IMF both have dire reports for the global economy. A lot of it is about synchronicity. I mean, it's, it's rare that, you know, the U.S. is having a bad time at exactly the same time as India and China are having a bad time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can have period of, periods of weaknesses, but not a period where the actual amount of global output is shrinking. And again, to you know, go back to, to an earlier point, mm-hmm. 
Um, partly that's because a lot of poorer countries are catching up with richer countries. They've tended to grow at much more rapid rates. So, you know, usually their rapid growth, you know, compensates for a decline in output in, in the US and, and Europe, which do tend to move together more in sync. So that's the main reason why this is rare, why, you know, this year that, that the World Bank is looking forward to could be the weakest since, uh, well, the pandemic was one example of everyone suffering from the same mm-hmm. kind of terrible shock. Mm-hmm. And the global financial crisis back in 2009, pretty much everyone suffered from the, the knock-on effects of that. Before then, you know, you have to go back a long way before you get anything like, you know, what the World Bank is expecting next, oh, this year. Hannon goes on to describe how the Fed raising rates in America is contributing to inflation elsewhere in the world. I mean, that's one of the big worries that the World Bank actually had. Um, so, you know, the, the Fed is the most powerful central bank in the world by by a distance. And that's because the dollar is the biggest financing currency, the biggest currency that everyone borrows in. And also it's the biggest trade currency. So, you know, when the Fed raises interest rates, interest rates don't just go up in the US, they go everywhere. Um, And that cools economic activity everywhere. It also means that other central banks have to sort of match the Fed's move, because if they don't, their currency will weaken. And that's a way of sort of importing inflation. Mm. So, you know, if if it's tough to bring inflation down in the US, that's kind of bad news for for everyone else in, in, in the world. The World Economic Forum is back with its first winter session since 2020 in the Swiss Alpine enclave of Davos. Daybreak Insider's Charles de la Desma has details on this story. Leaders are seeking to bridge political divisions in a divided world, buttress a hobbling economy and address concerns about climate change, among many other things. Nearly 600 CEOs and more than 50 heads of state or government are expected, but it's never clear how much concrete action emerges from the elite event. Missing are leaders like President Joe Biden, Chinese President Xi Jinping, British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi and French President Emmanuel Macron. I'm Charles de Lutesma. There is great sadness on the campus of college football's national champions. Daybreak Insider's Jason Walker has more on this developing story. Georgia offensive lineman Devin Willick and a staff member have been killed in a car accident just hours after the Bulldogs celebrated their second straight national championship with a parade and ceremony. Two other members of the football program injured in that crash south of Athens. Both are in stable condition. Authorities say the vehicle left the road and struck several trees. The 20-year-old Willick pronounced dead at the scene. The driver, 24-year-old Chandler LaCroix, was taken to a hospital where she later died of her injuries. Jason Walker reporting. And finally, last month, Buffalo, New York resident Jay Withy saved two dozen people during the winter storm by sheltering them in a school. This week, the Buffalo Bills, along with Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield of Western New York, gifted Withy with two tickets to the Super Bowl. Retired Bills running back and pro football Hall of Famous Thurman Thomas and his wife 
posted a video to the Bills team Twitter account highlighting that moment. Today we are going to visit Jay who was responsible for saving 24 people during the Buffalo storm and we're going to surprise him with this Super Bowl tickets in Arizona. It's going to be awesome. Let's go do it. Last month Withy went viral after leaving a note of apology for damaging school property, explaining to whom it may concern, I'm terribly sorry about breaking the school window and breaking into the kitchen. Got stuck at 8 p.m. Friday and slept in my truck with two strangers just trying not to die. There were seven elderly people also stuck and out of fuel. I had to do it to save everyone and get them to shelter and food and a bathroom. Merry Christmas. Little did Withy know his act of heroic vandalism would afford him a thank you that many only dream about. Hi, Mark. Blue Cross and Blue Shield and the Buffalo Bills. We wanted to surprise you today with you, two tickets. Two tickets to the Super Bowl. Oh my we love you. We know what you did on Christmas Eve was very heroic, and you're our hero. And the Bills and I, Mark, want to present you with these tickets to go watch the Super Bowl. For his part, Withy can't believe all the attention he's received. I can't believe the, the, inspired. the amount of uh, you know, reach out I got. I, mean, I got thank you letters from Australia. And, uh, I can't believe how far it got, but it was... However, it's still unclear if Withy will see his bills in the Super Bowl. The team defeated the Miami Dolphins during their AFC wildcard game and will host the Bengals on January 22nd in the divisional round. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at daybreakinsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.